Welcome to Technovation, a weekly conversation with people who are shaping the technology landscape. I'm Peter High, president of Meta Strategy, advisor to technology executives, Forbes columnist, book author, and your host. Each episode of Technovation features insights from top executives and thought leaders at the intersection of business, technology, and innovation. If you like what you hear, we'd be grateful if you give us a rating on iTunes or through whatever other source you use for podcasts. And please subscribe so you don't miss a thing. Thank you. My guest today is Anil Cherian. Anil is the Executive Vice President of Strategy and Technology at Cognizant, one of the world's leading professional services companies with revenues exceeding $16 billion annually. In this role, Anil oversees all aspects of corporate strategy, global IT, and global security, and is responsible for Cognizant's strategy, alliances, and business development, and for strengthening the company's global IT and security capabilities. Prior to joining Cognizant, Anil served as the U.S. presidential appointee in charge of technology transformation services, and prior to that, he served as the global CIO of SunTrust. In this interview, we discuss Cognizant's three-pillared strategy around accelerating digital, globalizing Cognizant, and increasing its relevance to its clients. We discuss Cognizant's approach to partnering with other companies and the pros and cons of being onboarded virtually. Lastly, we discuss the changes driven by the pandemic that will be permanent, some of the emerging technology Anil is keeping his eye on, Anil's experience working for the federal government, and a variety of other topics. I wanted to share a quick message from our sponsor, Sykes. Sykes is a leading provider of multi-channel demand generation and customer engagement services, helping Global 2000 companies enhance touchpoints at every stage of the customer journey. To share some perspectives, I'll briefly turn it over to Ian Barkin, the company's chief strategy and marketing officer. Customers don't want and don't deserve a new normal. They deserve and want a better normal. At Sykes, we know this because we spend over 3 billion minutes a year listening to and serving customers of the world's leading brands. And with that much listening, you can't help but know what delights, what infuriates, and what drives customer behaviors and decisions. So. What is a better normal? We believe it's the delivery of a truly intelligent customer experience. The call to action has never been clearer for CIOs, CTOs, and the broader C-suite. New is not enough, and the time for tinkering has passed. The winning combination of technology, talent, and customer insight is how to create intelligent customer experiences and a truly better normal. To read more about intelligent customer experiences, check out sykes.com forward slash ICX. Thanks, Ian. I recently caught up with Rehan Jalil, the founder and chief executive officer of Security AI. He offered the top three recommendations for chief information officers to reduce data risks while deriving the greatest value from data. Take it away. With more life lived digitally, there's an explosion of data. And it certainly brings immense business opportunities to use AI and other ways to monetize this data. But it also brings with it the immense data risks and responsibilities alongside. You certainly can make most use of data for business by keeping such data risks in check. To control these risks, first get a real-time understanding of the sensitive data across your multi-cloud environment, across your SaaS and any of the on-premise systems that you would have. And all the controls or the lack of controls that may be around this data to prevent it from external adversaries. In addition to ex external adversaries, also look at from your internal usage and put all the access governance and controls in place. And these have to be more automated because data is changing. So these controls have to be more automated. In addition to protecting from the external adversaries, 
Also look at your internal usage of data, and it must align with global privacy regulations and variety of other regulations that actually tie to data. With respect to storage of data, with respect to doing the data mapping, understanding how this data is moving across the geographies, and ensuring that this data is being used in alignment with the consent of the user. Because remember, the people do get rights on the data with respect to deletion, change of consent, correction, access, and your ability to automatically fulfill these user requests in a consistent manner can really help build user trust and reduce the risk to your brand. And now onto our interview. Well, Anil Cherian, welcome to Protectovation. It's great to speak with you again. Great, great to be here. Good to see you again, Peter. Thank you so much. Uh, Anil, you recently, as of August, uh, joined Cognizant as the Executive Vice President of Strategy and Technology. Uh, for most people who, who would be listening to this, they were probably familiar with Cognizant. But as you've had reason in the very recent past to look into that business as you were thinking about uh, joining it and now have done so, maybe you can give a brief thumbnail sketch as to Cognizant's business. Sure. Yeah, Cognizant is a $16.5 billion uh, consulting services company. It's a global technology uh, services company. Uh, it's been in existence since 1993. It's headquartered in uh, Teaneck, New Jersey, of all places, but, but you know, the, uh, the, the uh, management team is all over the world, and uh, we've got significant business, as you can imagine, in the Americas, in EMEA, and uh, Asian Pacific. And t talk a bit about your role as EVP of Strategy and Technology. So as EVP of Strategy and Technology, I just joined uh, two, two months ago, and it's really a, a new role that most of the technology services companies have probably haven't uh, built out as yet, but it's something new that the, the management team has uh, put in place. And it's really uh, at the executive committee level, running the strategy for the firm, the alliances that the, that we that we are partner with, uh, accelerators that we build, uh, our core internal technology, as well as our internal security. So it's a a mix of internal and external technology, and uh, we feel that given ninety percent of or one hundred percent of what we do is about technology, it's a core part of how we operate as well as how we go to market. And, uh, you know, it really needs to be a core to our strategy. And many of Cognizant's uh, clients are your former peers as chief information officers. Uh, it must be quite useful, I would imagine, as you mentioned, there is an external portion to the strategy and technology role to have held that, uh, that persona, to know that role so well uh, as a means of perhaps... Uh, uh, strategizing around their needs and 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 directing the company accordingly is that a fair assumption? Yeah, very. Yeah, you know, I, I think that's uh, that's fair. The uh, you know, the reason why uh, Brian Humphreys, who's the CEO, hired me was really based on uh, my experience, not only as a um, uh, I was a competitor at one point to Cognizant, but I was also a buyer of the services and. Uh, so I was a, you know, I was a voice of the client and I actually one of the, one of the roles that I play on the management team is really the voice of the client in terms of, is this really going to fly? Is this what people are looking for? And, um, and it helps as well, uh, lend some credibility to, 
you know, the approaches that we're taking when we stand on stage or in, or in now in, in today's COVID world, a virtual stage on, uh, you know, the kinds of things we're doing. Uh, my peers uh, can can relate to, you know, the, the approaches that we're taking, right? So that's a, that's a core part of part of why I'm here. Well, in your description of your responsibilities, I could certainly take a guess at some of the areas that you're focusing on, but would love to talk more specifically about some of the areas that are currently high priorities and uh, topics on your current strategy. What, what's come to light in the first few months here in the role? Yeah, there's, there's a lot of work uh, that we have ahead of us. Uh, Cognizant, uh, yeah, and as, you know, if you followed Cognizant in the past, uh, had gone through a, a, a fair amount of change. Uh, they were underperforming over the last couple of years. Uh, then COVID hit, uh, and then uh, we also got hit by a maze ransomware incident in early part of this year. Uh, that was in in, um, in uh, close to April or so. And uh, so there's a um, there's a real opportunity for us to really change everything about Cognizant inside out. And that's if you were going to look at the strategy that I'm putting together, it's about three layers. You know, think of it as almost like a Maslow's hierarchy kind of view. Layer one is really about driving uh, the fundamental infrastructure uh, hygiene, the security hygiene, improving our core capabilities from a just pure infrastructure standpoint. We're global, as I mentioned, huge spread. Uh, lots of different uh, ways in which technology is managed across both for us as well as for our clients. And so there's this layer one, which is really improving the the hygiene and infrastructure and security. Layer two is really about digitizing Cognizant. And it's really taking an end-to-end view. And so, you know, probably the easiest way I'd want to put it is that if our associates, when they walk into a client and they're providing technology services for the client, they need to walk in with a little bit of a swagger. They need to walk in saying, hey, you know, we've got, we've digitized ourselves. This is how we've done it. And so that's why we can help you as well. And I think that's our, that's kind of the, the whole approach. So there's a Replacement of core systems, replacement of core ERP systems, replacement of end-to-end digital uh, ways in which our clients can interact with us as well as uh, our associates interact with us. That's the second layer. And the third layer is about translating that into who we partner with, what's our technology roadmaps, um, how do we drive alliances, build versus buy versus partner decisions in terms of what's our right strategy in terms of the industries that we play in and the pain points that they have and the offers that we that we have. Uh, it's all part of our strategy of really, you know, if you go to step back and say, what's Congress' strategy? It's really three things. We're accelerating digital. We're globalizing Cognizant. We're already fairly global, but we really want the global mix to change. And we also want to increase our relevance to our clients. So so our, this whole approach is really under that umbrella of the overall strategy of Cognizant. 
That makes sense. And that, that uh, I'm, I'm hearing echoes in your description of digitizing the firm of, in some ways, drinking your own champagne or eating your own dog food, depending upon the analogy that you prefer, right. of doing to your company what you can then take to your clients and, and use your own selves as as the example of the improvements to make. Is that a fair, fair way to typify that? Yeah, it's funny that you use the drinking your own champagne. Uh, that's really the approach that we've been, uh, that's the words that actually we use internally as well. Uh, you know, we are, really want to be a world class uh, in terms of how we operate internally. And uh, so if we walk into a client and we say, hey, you know, we're, um, we're ready to transform your do the your do digital transformation or help you with your digital transformation journey, we can talk about it. Here's what we've done as well. You know, we want to help you with our an ERP implementation. The first question that a client would say is, well, what have you done internally, right? Have you done this to yourselves? And uh, so that's part of the whole story that um, it just makes us a lot more credible uh, when we when we talk to our clients. That certainly makes sense. Um, talk a little bit about, you, you mentioned uh, the, the the partnerships, the alliances that you are thinking about developing. It sounds as though you're, you're contemplating a broader ecosystem to deliver all that your organization delivers. Um, talk a little bit further about the way in which you're doing so and how you're plotting who, who to ally with and, and for what reasons. You know, the world, the world around us is digitizing really fast. And there's a lot of really strong technology players in the marketplace that you're well aware of. You know, the uh, AWSs, the Azures, the um, Googles, um, Salesforce, Workday, and so on. There's a number of number of players that are uh, active in the market. And really, when you talk about our clients, when they drive a digital transformation, these are some of the players that they, that they work with. And uh, our whole approach has been uh, making those partnerships happen and selectively picking and choosing where we want to partner and, uh, and how we want to partner, right? So it's, uh, uh, we've got lots of good discussions with, um, with all of those players that I just mentioned. Uh, there are some top 10 or 12 of them that we have significant partnerships with. And uh, as it evolves over time, uh, we feel that uh, you know that's that's going to continually change uh, as the marketplace changes as well. So there's a, so the approach that we're taking is really about being selective, picking and choosing the right partners, and really playing with our, with the partners in the industries that they play in, and then select the right industries and and uh, and approaches that that we that we should be taking. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's an existing it's an existing. Uh, set of great partnerships that we've got. The team uh, that that works for me has really done a lot of work, good work in terms of rationalizing uh, the approaches that have been taken in the past and coming up with much more of a cogent story uh, in terms of where we want to go in the future. Very interesting. Uh, I mentioned you're just a, a couple of months into, as we as we speak now, uh, it's months into your uh, your tenure with the organization. And interestingly enough, you you joined during the course of the the pandemic and quarantine. Presumably, I would imagine that you uh, probably had limited relative to a traditional 
uh, recruiting cycle, limited contact with your future colleagues. Talk a little bit about that experience and what it was like to get to know the leaders of the firm, your your new reports and so on. I, again, so long as my hypothesis is correct, from a distance and sort of building that trust, understanding the culture. What, talk about the difference between this and past onboarding situations for yourself. Oh yeah, no, it's uh, it's certainly uh, a completely different experience, uh, as you can imagine. Uh, most of the world is and has been in some form of shutdown, uh, albeit it's slightly opening right now. But as I went through the interview process, uh, I did interview with uh, a, uh, the CEO Brian, who lives in Geneva, by the way, and. Uh, interviewed with uh, several of the other uh, executive committee members who are all over the world. And most of it was on uh, video and virtual, and, and pretty much all of it was video and virtual. Um, and it's um, it was really an outstanding way of getting to know everyone. It was, um, uh, you know, there's a, uh, you know, talk about, um, you know, folks in India, you know, I've got a large team in India, I've got a large team in Europe, a team in, in the Americas, uh, really understanding and getting to know folks vir- virtually was uh, was quite an experience, completely different to the past. So it's got its up, ups and downs. I think the, um, the positive aspects are, you know, you can do a lot sitting in your office and perhaps go from meeting to meeting to meeting. You know, one day you're in a meeting, with people in London, the next day you're meeting with people in Bangalore, the next day you're meeting with people in New York, and you haven't moved. You haven't taken, you know, eight hours to go fly somewhere and pack your bags. And so you, you're, the time wasted when you do that is, uh, you, you, you certainly, you certainly save a lot on the time. Uh, but you do feel that there, in some cases, the physical presence would be really beneficial, you know. Meetings that we have where you're sitting and you have the conversation and you have the agenda and you're working through it. There's so much done during coffee breaks and there's so much done in between sessions. There's so much done after sessions, uh, you know, going for a glass of wine somewhere and, and really getting to know each other personally. You know, those are things that don't really happen that easily from, uh, uh, on Zoom or WebEx or or team sessions, so that's a that's a little bit of a, of a concern. And you know, there's a lot of in my world. There's a um, you know there there are data centers, and there are things that need to be fixed in data centers. And there's uh, you know traditionally I'd walk in as a CIO of the bank in the past. You know I'd walk into the data center and I'd be watching to see how things are and. You know whether things are really operating where they should be, and not that you you know you view them from the lights, but it's a, there's a physical view of there's a tangibleness about it that um, you know you don't you don't have, and uh, that's hard to deal with uh, when you're when you're dealing with it from a, a you know virtual standpoint. So there's some, there's some positives, there's some negatives, and I think there's you know the, those personal connections. The, the freeform conversations, you know, those are all things that uh, that you miss uh, from a from a physical standpoint. Makes sense. And uh, as you mentioned, there are some positives, and that I, I think uh, 
leads to the question, what are the aspects of what you've experienced, as all of us have in some way, that you believe are going to continue even after we reach uh, some sort of new normalcy? Do you feel like the way in which we will do business will be very different from, say, December of last year based upon what we've experienced now? What are some of those factors in your mind? Oh, no, very much so. I think the whole uh, the whole uh, digital uh, you know, people have been talking about digital transformation now for the last five or, five or seven years. And uh, this whole COVID thing has really accelerated digital in terms of, uh, and we're seeing that with our clients. We're seeing that in the work that we get, and we're seeing that internally in, in, in Congress. And so we're, uh, you know, the pace at which people want to operate and the amount of data that they want to have at their fingertips and the decisions that they want to be able to make with real digital applications is growing really fast. And I think that's, uh, we're not going to go backwards on those. And those are, those are really, uh, those are really uh, great um, uh, changes. And, uh, you know, as, and tied in with that, you know, obviously the movement to the cloud, the movement, you know, getting more data available, getting more analytics available, you know, the use of IoT, you know, there's so much, ancillary trends that we're seeing that have really accelerated as part of this process. And I don't think we're going to go backwards on those. Uh, the one question in my mind in terms of how far back we might go is when it comes to real estate. As you can imagine, you know, we have close to 300,000 people globally, uh, large uh, data uh, delivery centers all over the world um, where there were several thousands of people sitting in those delivery centers. Now we have 99.5%, if not more, of our team, our associates out there at, at, in their home and not physically in those in that real estate. So the question is, do we really need that real estate? Uh, how much of that real estate do we need going forward? And there's arguments both sides of it. You know, there's it's social distancing rules. You probably need more space for, for fewer people. But the question is, how much more and, you know, is this work from home reality going to be a reality also for our offshore delivery centers? That's a, that's a question that, frankly, we're actively looking at and actively uh, considering in terms of what's the new, what's the new normal as far as, uh, as, far as that's concerned. But, yeah, there's, there's some things that are, that are going to somehow come back and there's some things that are um, probably here forever. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Uh, you've already mentioned a number of trends that are rising and of importance to you and the company. Um, I'd love to circle back and just talk as as you look to the future, the next two, two or three years, let's say. What what are some some other trends that particularly excite you and are making their way onto your roadmap? Yeah, there's, there's you know, what we call them our core battleground areas that we want to focus on. Uh, you know, being a technology services firm, you know, that's where we feel. We need to be very competitive on, and we need to have the right skills and the right people and the right approaches. Um, you know, so digital engineering, obviously, you know, that's as we just talked about in terms of the pace at which everything is going digital and everything is, you know, the the physical. You know, when you when you talk to my old industry, the banking industry, they measure the number of online interactions as opposed to the interactions in a branch. And there's a rapid change right now in terms of the a percentage of interactions that are that are online. We're seeing that everywhere. 
And that's all about being you know, engineered, taking those processes and engineering them to be much more digital. So digital engineering is one. Cloud is you know, clearly a huge enabler for all of that. Cloud is not about, um, is not about saving money, but it's about acceleration. It's about pace of change, and it's about driving those, those, uh, those aspects of it. So we're um, seeing a, you know, a huge amount of business in the cloud space. Uh, AI and data is another area for us, and um, it's only natural that with the preponderance of data that we have and uh, the amount of analytics tools and uh, machine learning tools that are available, uh, that's clearly a, a trend that um, is uh, is picking up, and we've got really good practices there. and. We frankly want to do those, use those practices internally as well and uh, in terms of how we operate. And then lastly, uh, you know, IoT, you know, with the advent of 5G, the, um, the whole IoT marketplace is uh, changing and um, people have got wearables, the number of devices that are out there, all providing data, no matter which industry you're in, that's a big, that's a significant area. So these are our four major um, battle, battleground areas, and uh, we, we've taken a significant view on those to say, you know, how do we expand and how do we accelerate our presence there? And uh, we're uh, making several acquisitions in, in, uh, in those spaces. Before I let you go, Anil, I, w- I wanted to uh, cover what you did just prior to this. Uh, our last conversation on the record was when you were the uh, executive vice president and CIO at SunTrust. Uh, in the interregnum between that post and your current one, you were the director and deputy commissioner of technology transformation services for the federal government uh, here in Washington, where I'm I'm speaking from today. And, and uh, talk a little bit about that, uh, a little bit of a left turn for you in terms of uh, your experiences. If I recall your your career to date correctly, I believe your first government experience, primarily private sector prior to that. Um, talk a bit about uh, what that was like, if you would. Yeah, that was a great, um, great experience. I, I think that was probably one of the most outstanding experiences that I've ever gone through Uh I've never done anything in the federal government space. I got a phone call through some friends. Uh, and uh, you know, before I knew it, I got a call from the White House saying, hey, you know, we want you to join here. And uh, we feel that you can be helpful. And uh, it's a massive agenda. We've got uh, 24 what are known as CFO Act agencies, uh, places like the Department of Defense, Department of Agriculture, um, you know, you name it, your know, VA and so on. And uh, we spent $100 billion in technology. And I'd say about $90 billion of that is really on keep the lights on kinds of work. Uh, and um, our, our whole charter was how do you drive transformation across all of that $100 billion. And so it was a great, we had a small but mighty team of 300 really smart people mid-career technologists from places like Amazon and Google and Microsoft and so on. And they joined our team because they all did what I wanted to do, which is really give back to the country. And uh, it was not about pay or, or anything. It was about the excitement of doing something something for the country. And we did a lot of good work. And we, did, uh, we built these centers of excellence and we drove transformation agency by agency. And... Uh, it was a tremendous experience, both being 
in the West Wing uh, a few times a week uh, in front of Congress testifying. Uh, and uh, that that's an experience that everyone should have. <laughs> and uh, also dealing with all the cabinet uh, members and, and all the agency leaders. Uh, really good experience. I'd, I'd recommend anyone to do it. It's a great ecosystem. Uh, and we've we accomplished a lot. And the team is really proud of it. Uh, really good players, and uh, I, I still keep in touch with them. Well, Anil, thank you for for your service to our our government and our country. That's that's really wonderful. And with that, I, I want to thank you more generally, Anil Cherry, and thank you so much for taking time today, sharing a bit about your uh, your new role and as well as your recent past, uh, some some of the dynamics during these most unusual times, but also looking forward to the areas where you and the company will be investing. Uh, it's been a great conversation. Great. Thank you so much, Peter. Good to see you again. Likewise. Thanks for tuning in. Please join me on Monday when my guest will be Richard Cox, the Chief Information Officer of Cox Enterprises.